Hello everyone and welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. I am your host Ethan Bridge and on today's show I have the pleasure of speaking to Mark Strzeczewski, also known as Mr. Productivity. So Mark has come to the conclusion that the five most common forms of distraction are social media, email, people, entertainment and you, your mindset. Distractions are a part of life. They've always been here and they're never going to go away. Everyone has to deal with them, even the highest of performers. The good news is that dealing with distractions is not that difficult. There are proven strategies for taming them and that is what Mark teaches his audiences, whether that's from a stage, on his podcast, as a coach or on social media. It's his passion to help you be a more productive version of yourself so you get done what you need to get done and enjoy your life in the process. This advice is applicable to all, whether you're an entrepreneur, at university or in a full-time job. Just listen to what Mark has to say and your productivity will increase exponentially. I can't wait for you all to listen to what Mark has to say. So without further ado, let's dive straight into today's episode. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to CEO Journals. Today on the episode, we have Mark Strzeczewski. Strzeczewski? Strzeczewski? You tell me how it is pronounced because I should have asked that before we started, but there we go. So, Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, and it's Strzeczewski. The C-Z-E-W is pronounced chess, just like the game. There we go. Should have asked that before we started, but no worries. We're all human. We all make mistakes. But... For those who don't know who you are, just give us a quick 60-second introduction of who you are and what you do, please. People call me Mr. Productivity because I help people be productive in a distracted world. I am obsessed with helping people get more stuff done, and that's what I do. It's all about productivity for me. I cannot wait to talk about that because I am a huge culprit to procrastination. (laughs) So I'd love to learn how to avoid A live intervention. A live intervention. (laughs) I love it. This isn't just for the listeners. This is for me as well. (laughs) But the way I like to start all of my episodes is to throw it back with my listeners and ask them about their time with school. So, Mark, let's focus on 15-year-old you. Were you good in school? Were you a straight-A student or were you the class clown? (laughs) Well, neither. Uh, I was not a straight-A student. I wasn't a class clown. I did just enough to pass my classes. I was one of these people, um, I don't know if they do this in England, but where they would give you an assignment that was six weeks. Okay, this is a big assignment, six weeks. And I would come home and do it the next couple days. I wouldn't do a good job on it. I just wanted it out of my life. And so I would do a really crappy C job and I wouldn't have to do anything for six weeks. Where most people, at least here in America, they say, ah, I can wait until the night before and they stay up all night, pull an all-nighter. I was never into that. I, what's interesting is I'm a trainer, I'm a speaker, I'm a podcaster now. Back in high school, I didn't want to stand up and talk to in front of anyone. I it was like one of these people I'd really? hold the paper in front of me and I'd be shaking and I'd go, uh, 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 now I'm a speaker and a podcaster. I don't know what happened, but, uh, no, I was by no means a straight A student, but I wasn't a class clown either. I was kind of like the wallflower. I didn't want anybody to talk to me. I didn't talk to anybody. So I was rather quiet. Interesting. Cause I could, would not have been able to tell that from the way you <laughs> talk to me and portray yourself on your podcast as well. So did you go to college? Did you, or what we call university? university. <laughs> that. Um, but did you go? Yes. And it's interesting that we should have been recording this before we started because we are talking about how in America we have to come up with different names. The rest of the world calls it holiday we call it vacation. The rest of the world calls it university. We call it college. I don't understand. I said that right, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I just said it right. Yeah. My mind says, wait a minute, you back, you reversed it. But yes, I did go to university and I got a bachelor's degree in applied computing. I do not use one single day of my class, any of my studies over, well, I went part-time. So I went to college for or university for seven years because I went part-time. I went like one or two classes at a time because I had a full-time job and a full-time family, so I couldn't go to school full-time. So were you always interested in earning money then from day one? Yes. Uh, money buys a lot of things like housing and electricity and food, so money's nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, so have you always been entrepreneurial then? No. 
Um, <laughs> it just literally when I was in high school, all I wanted to do it. Well, I was brainwashed by my parents who I love tremendously, but their philosophy was go to school, go to university college and go get a job for 40 years, retire and die. And I'm like, I don't like that life plan. I, that, that, no, I, no, I don't want that life plan. And so as I got older, I started following these people like Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, and, you know, Bill Gates and stuff. I'm like, huh, they didn't go to college or they dropped out of college in the case of Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and like they did all right. And so I believe if you're doing what you love to do, that you never should have a plan to retire. And so when people ask me, well, Mark, you're 54 now. When are you going to retire? I'm like, retire? And what? Sit around in plaid pants and play golf and watch TV? Boring. Not interested whatsoever. I mean, this sounds morbid, but I hope that I die like on my podcast or on the stage doing what <laughs> I love to do instead of just sitting there, you know, drooling someplace, watching a, a, a rerun of a rerun of a rerun. I, I want to live life to its fullest. I don't know how the guests would feel about that, though. But again, interesting. Not literally. Not literally. Yeah. I don't want to no, die. I like a, say the I way can't. to be more productive is. Uh, you know, I don't don't want to be literally, but I mean, I want to. I want to die doing what I love to do. So, how long were you in corporate America for? How long did you have a nine to five before you then realized, no, I don't want to spend my life working for someone else? Well, it wasn't a choice. It was. Mark, you're fired. Uh, in, July, in July of 2005, I was fired. And at the time, I was so thoroughly angry at my employer. How dare they? Don't they know who I am? I got bills to pay. But you know what? I looked at it now as I look back on all those years ago that, you know, mama was kicking me out of the nest. I would still probably be there if I was a model employee. I would still be there going to work. I think I worked seven to four or some crazy hours like that. And I would be like a little minion. I would be doing what everybody else did and I wouldn't be happy. And I'd get my three weeks vacation every year and I get holidays off, blah, blah, blah. It wouldn't excite me. So I'm so glad I was fired. If I ever see my, my boss again, which I probably won't, but if I do, I would thank him for firing me. Cause I say that would the best thing you ever did for me. Now, of course I got this vision in my mind that that when I see him again, I'm making millions and millions of dollars a month and I have a private plane. I can say, hey, listen, because of you, I've got a private plane. I think that'd be really cool just to like <laughs> rub his face in it. <laughs> and have you always been interested in productivity then? So when you first got fired, what was the first thing you did? Did you sit around for a minute and contemplate life? What am I going to do next? Or did you know from the start that that's what I want to do? I had no idea what I wanted to do. I got fired. Then I decided, what am I going to do? Then I said, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll become an entrepreneur. Yeah, whatever that is, I'll become that. And so I started out as a wedding and portrait photographer, which I didn't want to do. I just wanted the really cool gear and take pictures to people. And, you know, that went on there. But remember, we're talking 2005. We're talking in the beginning of Facebook and Twitter. There was no Instagram. There was no Snapchat. There was no LinkedIn. And I said, you know, how am I going to market my business? You know, because everyone's starting to use this thing called Facebook and Twitter and, you know, they do direct mail. And I said, how can it be different? So I said, oh, maybe I can speak to people. Remember I told you I didn't want to speak in front of a class? Something flipped along the way. Now I want to be a speaker. So I went to one of my friends and they guided me on how to be a speaker. But I didn't want to talk about, well, the first time I went out and spoke, it was about promoting my photography business. First time I spoke, my wife says, oh, honey, you should not be a uh, photographer. You should be a speaker. You, you're really good at it. I said, huh, isn't that interesting? A couple other people told me the same thing. So then I said, okay, I want to be a speaker, but I didn't want to talk about photography. So I didn't know what I wanted to talk about. So my first topic was, I came up with some stupid topics. One was from hopeless to hopeful. I don't know what, I don't do drugs or smoke or drink or anything like that. I don't know where I came up with that. And then I came up with, that failed. Then I came up with how to come overcome, how to overcome roadblocks in your path to success. Note to self, when you're not successful, don't tell people how to become successful. Successful. So I was on the phone with one of my, co my coaches. I was having a real bad day and I'm like, he goes, what's going on? I'm like, 
I really want to speak. I really want to coach and train people, but I can't come up with a topic. And he says, well, why don't you teach people how to be productive? And I'm like, uh, I don't know where that came from, but why would you say that? And he goes, well, because you're one of the most productive people I know. You're naturally productive. You should share that gift with the world. And I'm like, well, isn't everybody productive? And he goes, no, most people are unproductive. You need to you know, take your message out to the world. And I guess I can blame my parents because I was, I was the only child and I was raised that you do things a certain way in a certain time and certain this, that, and maybe it was ingrained in me in my entire life. It didn't help me in school very much, but now it's what I do. I love helping people get unstuck and to deal with the many distractions we deal with every day in our lives. So were you advertising your business and this productivity mindset early on in the Facebook game then? So right no. back at the beginning? No. When did it first come onto that? I launched my website, markstuchowski.com, which you can get to by going to mrproductivity.com. You're welcome. Uh, July 2011. And again, I didn't know when I launched it, I had no idea what I was going to do. I, I Clueless what I was going to do. Yes. And after, over the years, 2012, 2013, it started coming into focus. It's kind of like, you know, when you go to ophthalmologists, they put the thing in front of your eyes and they go clear, 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 clear. And it, it started getting more and more in focus. And I realized somewhere along the lines of 2017 that productivity is a ginormous umbrella and I need the focus. I need the niche down, as they say in the industry. And I said, you know, as I look around, everywhere I go, everyone is on their phones. And they're distracted and they can't hold the conversation because they're on their phones or whatever. And I'm like, man, distractions are really, are really affecting people. And that's where I came up with, hey, why don't you help people deal with distractions? And that's how now I really niche down in my tagline is I help people be productive in the distracted world. So what do you think are the biggest forms of distractions? Well, in no particular order. Social media, email, people, entertainment. Entertainment never used to be on the list, but now we have all these streaming apps. We have, we have Fortnite. We have, um, I don't, I'm not a gamer, Fortnite. There's Minecraft. There's all these games out there. And then our mindset. So those are the five big ones. It's not all of them, but those are the biggest ones that I see affect more people. And people can change the list of their priorities, but no one can say, oh, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. We all struggle with those. So are you very much with your business Are you uh, put it out on a website on social media and it's for everyone or do you have specific clients that come to you personally and say, how can I be more productive? And then you take that one person on a journey from being unproductive to productive. Yes. So I do put my stuff out there for the world on LinkedIn. That's my best profile platform is LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, you know, all these other sites. So I do provide value every day for how anybody can be more productive. But I really focus on people who are mainly entrepreneurs, people with small business owners, people who are trying to get started because they are really distracted. They got to take care of this vendor. They got to hire a VA. They got to contact the client. They got to create this content and they're really distracted. So although I can help every, everybody, um, it's not wise to say, yeah, my, my target market is 450 million English speaking people in the world. That's not realistic. So I focus yeah. on the entrepreneurs because those are the people who are mainly are doing it by themselves. They're solopreneurs. They're just doing it themselves where they have one or two employees and they're really distracted. For sure. So how can we all begin to flick that switch in our brain then to not be influenced by these external factors? So I'm a guy sitting there. This is, this is not me because I, I used to be a culprit of it. I used to sit there all the time and play on my PlayStation and Xbox gamers, sit there and watch Netflix. I've slowly, since I started this and got more interested in doing, like being conscious of what I'm doing with my time, I've been able to pull myself away from that. But how would I, how would you take someone initially and start flicking that switch in their brain so that they become more productive? Well, what do we all carry with us everywhere we go? Fine. Yeah. So let's start with the phone. First of all, do what I call a notification cleanse. Once you go through your settings, your notifications on all your devices. So if you've got a laptop, desktop, smartwatch, you've got a phone, tablet, everything. And I want you to 
turn off 99.99% of them. You can leave your calendar alerts on, your reminders on. You know, I like leaving my credit card apps on so my credit card gets charged by somebody in London, not going to name any names. Um, it'll notify me and say, wait a minute, I'm not in London right now. So I think that's important. But what people don't understand about notifications is it's not all or none. So I probably have, I think I have like, I don't know, I'm going to guess like 100 apps on my iPhone. And I probably have notifications turned on for about 20 of them, but only three of them have sound. So here's the thing. If you have sound not enabled, well, you won't know if a notification goes off because you can't hear it. And that another thing you have to do, another component of that is you've got to disable vibration mode because people don't stop and think, well, I, I muted my phone and put it face down. What happens when you get that phone call? Your phone goes, might as well pick up the phone at that point because now you're distracted. You're, you're distracted. So turn off those notifications. I, most people, when they get an app, they just say allow notifications and they're all on because I know developers personally and by default, they turn them all on. So go through and say, listen, I want a notification, but I don't want the sound of the badge count on. I just want it pop up on my screen. But if I'm not looking at my screen, I don't see it. So get control of your notifications. That includes email. We're not that important. We are not that important. We do not need to be notified by every, notif every email we get and every text message we get and every social media notification we get. So notifications are a huge distraction. I... My girlfriend is going to laugh at me for you saying turn off vibrate because I always try and call her and it will be like five or six attempts because she doesn't have vibrate or call ringer on her phone. And I always try and call her and sometimes it's urgent, not all the time, but sometimes I might have less, left something behind. I've got to pick it up. I have to call her like six or seven times before she picks up and she picks up eventually. And it's like, I always, have, I always have a go at her. Like, Why don't you have vibrate on? What, you always miss my calls. But now she's going to listen to this. And I know she listens, she's going to listen to this because she listens <laughs> to the podcast. That's why I do it. Even, that, even Mark agrees with me. So thanks yes. for that. That's yeah, well, be you're, you're welcome. Because here's the thing. We're at a networking event and we're talking. And all of a sudden I get a phone call and my phone vibrates in my pocket. Well, now I'm not paying attention to you. Now I'm like, oh, who's that calling? Is that the leader of the free world? Is that, is that, uh, who's, who's that calling? Is that Elon Musk? Yeah. And so it's being rude and, and people go, what if I miss something? Look at, again, I'm 54 years old. And I remember back in the day when I went to school, you know, what my mom used to get a hold of me. She would call the school from the home phone. They'd call the office. They would walk down to get me out of class. And then they walk me in the office and talk to my mom. Now people are like, well, oh, I got to get a hold of my kid. Look at, what do you need to get a hold of your kid that important? not that important. I think we've become, now I always say technology is a blessing and a curse, but we have become so reliant that we have to know what's going on. Like if something happens outside your window right now, better be on Twitter within 30 seconds. Like it used to be we had to wait either for the morning paper or the evening news. Now we find out about things within the minute. I want video footage. I want, I want all the details. It's like, this is, that's insane. That is insane to me. So that's even like I'm only 20. So there's, it's only so far I can go back to say that, oh, I had <laughs> when I was younger. But even when I was, say, I think, so between the ages of four and 11, we go to what we call primary school. Is that preschool in America? Back then, never had a phone, didn't even know what a phone was, didn't really, didn't have one until I went to secondary school. Now, it's ridiculous. All the kids have got brand new iPhone, and I'm thinking... One, where does your money come from? Two, why do you have it? <laughs> like, what is the, what need is there for it? But yeah, not quite as bad as having to wait until the next day for the paper, though. So I feel for you on that one. But here's the thing: I was recently challenged by somebody to go on a 30-day news fast, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I watch the news every day, only for 30 minutes, and sometimes I check on the Twitter trending and see what's going on. I'm like, 30 days. My wife and I decided to do it together. And after like two days, it's like, have you missed checking the news? She goes, no, I actually feel more at peace because listen, I feel sorry if there's a mass shooting in Afghanistan, but how does it affect me? I feel sorry if there's a tsunami in Japan, but how does it affect me? And what it does it affects me negatively. And I'm like worried about all these things. So like, I don't know about the politics over in the United Kingdom. Over here, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's like, 
What's that? It's hilarious at the moment. I don't know if you've heard of Brexit, but it's a massive. Oh, yeah. I, I've heard of Brexit. I'm not totally clueless. But like, like we have the election coming up in 2020, and I think they're already starting to campaign for 2024, 2028, 2032, and people are just being born are already getting. It's it's ridiculous. It's like you know, I think we should campaign like 90 days before the election. This is because they're all all they're doing is lying to us. Let's be honest. All they're doing is lying to us. That's all they're doing. They're just saying what we want to hear to get our votes. So I don't even pay attention to politics. When people go, oh, did you watch the debate last night? I'm like, first of all, what debate? And the answer is no, I don't watch the debate. I would rather watch like a video from Grant Cardone or Gary Vaynerchuk than watch a de- uh, debate. I-, I can get more out of it. I can get information that can help me today. That What, what am I going to learn from the debate? Because as long as we won left standing anyway. So I, I, no, I don't. I- I'll look at the politics when I find out like a couple months before when there's only like two people standing, one Republican, one Democrat, then I'll start looking at it. But now it's, it's September, 2019. The election is 14 months away. I don't care. I don't care. I can't even vote right now. We can't even vote in the primaries right now. So why do I care? So I get a little heated up about it as you can tell. (laughs) It's also depressing as well. There's never any happy news. No. Everything on the news is always depressing. So, yeah, I, I can imagine that was quite nice. Yeah, I challenge your listener. I challenge your listener. Go 72 hours. Don't check Facebook news. Don't check Twitter news. Don't check the news. Don't check the newspaper. Tell your friends, unless a satellite's going to fall on my head or there's a big storm coming my way, don't tell me about it. And tell me if you don't feel much better after 72 hours and you go like, wow, I'm going to go another day. And all of a yeah. sudden you do seven days, 14 days. I'm like, Oh, I'll never check the news again. People ask me, Oh, did you hear? Oh, that's right. You don't watch the news. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to know. I feel sorry for the mass shooters, the victims, of the mass shooters. Okay. Not the mass shooters. I feel sorry for the victims, but how's that going to affect me today? What, what can I do? Worry about it, stress out about it, get myself ulcers. To me, it doesn't make any sense. And I think more people need to disconnect because there's a saying here in America, I don't know if they have it in in London, but if it bleeds, it leads. That's why when you start the news, stabbings, robbings, killings, murders, mass shootings, rapes. Oh, yippee, yay, yay. I'm really happy now. (laughs) For sure, similar to, I've done a similar thing with with regards to a detox. So a few weeks back, I did like a social media detox. I didn't log into Instagram, smaller scale, five days. And since that, so my screen time on my phone went down massively. (laughs) I was way more productive, which links back to what this podcast is about. But now, so now I've made a separate account, which I only use to promote for my podcast. And on that, I only follow the guests I've had, the guests I want to have, and the likes of, say, Gary V, Grant Cardone, another one, a guy, a guy like called Jay Shetty, he's all about motivation and mindset and things like that. People that will benefit me opposed to friends and... I still have my personal account, but I'd much prefer to be using social media for something that can benefit me rather than scrolling aimlessly through what fitness models are doing and what my friends are doing day-to-day and things like that. Yeah, you make, a, you make a good point, a very, very good point. You need to control your feeds. So if you look at my Instagram, what you're going to see mostly there is Grant Cardone. Not so much Gary Vaynerchuk because I don't like his potty mouth, but Grant Cardone, uh, there's a guy, I can't say his last name, Dean Graziosi. He wrote the Millionaire Success Habits book, really good book. And then I'm a big fan of Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. So I have a lot of those. I follow those hashtags so I can escape over to Disney World because I live in Houston, Texas. So, But I curate my feed to what's going to serve me. Same with Twitter. You Listener, if you're not doing this, if you're saying, oh, I hate this guy in my feed, um, then unfollow him. It's not that hard. Just unfollow him or mute them. But you need, you're 100% correct. You need to control what you're seeing on your social media because there's a lot of crap out there. And if you're not careful, all that stuff's going to hit your head. It's going to hit your psyche. It's going to affect your attitude, which when you're more negative affects your productivity. That's what always confuses me as well. When you're looking through the comments and people are posting hate comments and this is rubbish and things like, why, why are you even interacting? If you think like, what is, what is your purpose? No one cares just yes. unfollow and move on. Yes. 
and as you say i'm going to challenge the listeners to that as well just follow things that are going to provide value to you because if you want to find out what your friends are doing just call them (laughs) i think that's as well like we're losing that interaction like social media has the potential to be great yep but it's i think it will shift eventually because of all this talk about hate on social media and what it's perceiving people to want to be like and things like that so i think it will eventually shift towards i think more content creators will produce more valuable content in the terms that it won't be you need to be like this or you need to look like this you need this to more what's it going to benefit everyone so i think that shift personally will eventually happen Mm -hmm. but social media does have the potential to be good it's just how you use it I agree 100%. I think it's a blessing and a curse, and we get to choose which it is. Now, I know people that have families scattered across the world, and it's very economical for them to you know, share things on Facebook. That's great. But these people and all across the world that they just live and hate, I'm like, you need to get that taken care of. That whole issue of you hating everything. I mean, when I first heard Gary Vaynerchuk wants to meet 7.5 billion people on this planet and I heard Grant Cardone say it, I'm like, you know what? I want to meet everyone on this planet. Even if you're my enemy, I want to meet you. I mean, I want to meet people. And I don't want to do it on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram. I want to meet it. Like we talked before we started recording the podcast. I have so many friends I've met through my podcast from London, I want to go there and say, hey, I want to meet y'all because you were on my show or I was on your show, whatever the case may be. I want to meet you. And I think more people need to have that attitude instead of going, well, I'm just going to hate the world. Well, then you have something you need to take care of, whether that's a mental issue or whatever the case may be. You need to go to help because if you hate everyone and everything, there's something else going wrong. Get off of social media. Go get some professional help. For sure. Before we go too off topic, and I want to bring it back to productivity. Oh, sure. We, well, yeah, it does yeah. have something to do with productivity because if you're operating in anger and hatred, you can't be productive. No, exactly. And I love that. It's all full circle. So next thing I want to talk about is a morning routine. How important is having a morning routine? Because I hear some people say that all the great leaders had a morning routine. You hear about these set morning routines that they got up, did every morning without fail. But then I've also heard other like successful people that are millionaires, like for example, the CEO of a company called Social Chain. They're a social media marketing company. And the guy called Stephen Bartlett is a great influencer on Instagram. He's one I do follow and would recommend people following. He's got a great podcast as well. He says, well, for, I, I believe he said, I don't want to quote this word for word or say that he quoted this, but he said with his morning routine, he tries to change it because if you set in a way of doing something every single day without fail, it, it damages your creative process. So how important is having a morning routine? I think a morning routine is really important because it transitions you from sleep to your day. But I think... What I my feeling on morning routine is number one, I don't think you need to get up at three fifty in the morning like Apple CEO Tim Cook does. I don't think you have to get up at five o'clock in the morning. Okay. Get up when you works out best for you. But I think you need to transition from sleep to your day. So I think your morning routine should be portable. In other words, my morning routine, if I were to come over to visit you in London, I could do my morning routine. I don't go to a certain Starbucks or go to a certain coffee house with my friends or whatever. It's, you know, some people have very specific morning routines. Mine's portable. Mine doesn't take very long. I mean, mine is like, mine's mainly a bunch of reading. So when I first get up, the first thing I do, which I think is important, you make my, make my bed. Okay. Now, when I first heard that, I'm like, what does that have to do with the morning routine? But when you make your bed, you've already got something knocked out and you just got up. You woke up, you made your bed. Boom. All right. Now, don't put that in your to-do list. I'm not saying put that in your to-do list. That'd be crazy. So I make my bed. Even if you have someone sleeping in a bed with you, you make your side of the bed. Then I do push-ups. You know, I do eight, 10, whatever push-ups. I do push-ups. Then I read my Bible. Then I read a devotion. Then I plan my day. Now, if I plan my day the day before, I review my plan. Okay. And then I read a classic book. Right now, I'm reading um, how... Oh, I don't have it with me. How not, how not to worry. 
How Not to Worry or something like that from Dale Carnegie. He wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People. He wrote a book about worry. So I'm reading a book about worry. And it's a classic book written in 1944 or some crazy thing like that. So I do this to get me started on the right day. I think you need to guard your first 60 minutes of the day. That's something I learned from Brendan Burchard. The first 60 minutes a day, don't check social media, don't check email, don't check the news. Well, don't check the news ever. So for the book, is it how to stop worrying and start living? Yes, I highly recommend that. It's got solid strategy in there. Everyone needs, everyone needs to read both those Dale Carnegie books, by the way. That one and how to win friends and influence people. You, it should be mandatory reading. You should not be able to be existing on this planet uh, as a human being without reading those books. And it's available in every language. Those books are timeless, timeless wisdom. They're written in late 30s, early 40s, and they still apply today in 2019. And from my experience reading it as well, it's, doesn't, it's not written like it's in the 1930s either. Exactly. It's still very easy to read. There's not complex words that aren't used nowadays and things like that. It's still an extremely easy read and very interesting. It's, I think it's incredible to think that everything in this book still applies today. Everything. Yes. yes. Yep. So and, whether, and he, whether he knew that back then, who knows? <laughs> Well, I listen, I run every day and I'm actually listening to the book, uh, how to win friends and influence people. It's not by Dale Carnegie, but somebody who wrote, you know, read the book back in the fifties. Cause you can tell that it was actually something was a book on tape and they put it onto audible because every once in a while, and then you'll be, he'll be in the middle chapter and he'll start playing music. And then all of a sudden they'll keep resuming the same chapter. Like, Oh, it took me a few minutes. Like, Oh, that's where like the tape idea to flip the tape. So I thought that was interesting, but it's, you're right. It's a very, very well book. I think everyone, no one can read that book and go, I got nothing out of it. If you do again, seek professional help because there's something for everyone there, regardless of your age, regardless of your education, there's something in there for everyone. So for age, me being a 20-year-old, you being 54. <laughs> 20 why... times 3 is 60. That's kind of scary. I'm 54. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to make you feel old. But <laughs> why... so from a 54-year-old's perspective to looking at a 20-year-old podcast host, were you worried about talking to someone my age? Because I find this quite interesting because I think some people wouldn't have and I hope this isn't the case, but wouldn't have spoken to me because of my age when we clearly get along and had a very engaging conversation. That's a very interesting question because I don't feel 54. When I started running every day uh, over, just over two years ago, I felt older than I do now. So I feel much younger. I mean, I don't, I don't look at you as a 20-year-old. I really don't. Um, I think... It really depends on the individual. I mean, back then, when I was 20 years old, it was like, okay, just be quiet. You know, you, you know, sit at the kids' table. You know, if there's a big family, what not. Now, I always try to give people respect. I always believe in leading with respect. If you disrespect me, then I may disrespect you. But I always try to re, uh, lead with respect. And I don't care if someone's like 12 years old or they're 92 years old. I think we need to put more respect into the world. I think a lot of people are taking respect out and I respect you. You've done very well. I mean, you've got a job, but you've got a podcast. I mean, here we are. It's, it's getting on what almost 10 o'clock at night over there here and in, in, in here in Houston, it's three forty in the afternoon, you know, and it's like we, this technology is awesome because I, I got to meet you. It's really cool. I wouldn't, without this technology today, if there was no internet, I never would have meet, would have met you. And so, but I, I think I have total respect with you because, you know, you are doing something. A lot of people that are younger and older than you haven't done anything. They're, they're going to school, then they're going to university and then they're going to work for the man for like 40 years, retire and die. I'm like, but I don't think that's going to be you. I don't think you're going to settle for that. I think you're going to keep reinventing yourself every day. And that's what I do. I reinvent myself every day. I may have a plan for tomorrow and you're like, you know what? And this has happened to me. Well, I got a better idea. I'm going to do something differently. And you may try it. Well, that didn't work, but it wasn't a total loss. You learned something out of it. At least I hope you learned something out of it. Yeah, for sure. And this is the main reason I did a podcast as well, because I've got to talk to some incredible people. And 
even just by talking to them, I've learned so much, like lessons that you, you just don't learn in day-to-day life because it's come from the guests' experiences and their teachings as well. But yeah, it's just been, it's been fun. Like, I enjoy this. I don't do it for the money. There is, I, I don't earn any money from this. I do it genuinely because it's fun to meet new people. Yes. I love networking. And why not share a fun conversation with the listeners as well? That's 100%. My- I mean, I, it's amazing to me because, as you know, I have a podcast too. And it's amazing to me when I was having guests on my show, some people would say, well, how many, how many downloads do you have? I'm like, right there, you disqualified yourself. Because that tells me you're not interested in bringing value to my audience. You're more interested in what you can get from my audience. And so yeah. whenever someone asks me how many downloads, you're disqualified. Because when I show up on a show, I was on a show, uh, I think a couple days ago, where I was like their first or second guest. doesn't matter. I show up. It doesn't matter if you're Oprah or you're Tony Robbins or you're somebody who has one listener. I don't care. I'm going to show up and give the best performance I can up to that date because you asked me to. How dare I come and say, oh, pfft you got a small audience. I'm just going to phone it in. How dare I? That's being disrespectful. So I think more and more people have to have that attitude. And that's one thing I learned uh, from Gary Vaynerchuk. Somebody asked him to be the first guest on her show. She had no listeners. She's got a lot of listeners now because Gary was her first guest. And I think people need to have that kind of attitude and say, listen, I'm no better than anyone else. I'm not. So when people reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, oh, can I get some time with you? You're so awesome. Like, oh, look at, thank you for the compliment. But I'm still learning. So I know I call myself an ex- a productivity expert, but I prefer, prefer myself as a productivity student because I'm always looking. I could learn something new from a crossing guard at the school today that can help me be more productive. And I think we, no matter what you do, social media, productivity, you know, insurance, whatever, if you close your mind and say, you know what? Got it all figured out. I think at that point you've lost. Yeah, and as a podcast host as well, I can't appreciate that enough because that's what you expect. Like I've had, cause you shout out to what's the, you found me on spot a guest, didn't you? Yes. So for anyone, that is where a hell of a lot of my, my two previous guests and a hell of a lot of my next guests have come from. So just a shout out to that, go find it on LinkedIn. It's a great, great tool for podcast hosts and podcast guests. You find podcasts to be on and to for hosts to find podcasts to go to get find guests to come on their podcast but i've had some people reach out and they've been like i want to be on your show i've got this product i want to talk about no i don't want that i don't (laughs) want this to be an hour talk about your product like that's not interesting for me and that's not gonna be interesting for anyone listening i didn't tell them that but (laughs) i'd rather just have an engaging conversation, as you say, regardless of the following, regardless of how many listens they have, as long as it's interesting, that's all I care. That's yep. all I care. I got a guy coming on my show. I haven't scheduled him yet. He is a vegan. Okay. He went from a meat eater to a vegan overnight. And I'm like, okay, now you got me hooked. You got me hooked on someone who's a, a, v, a meat eater his entire life. And overnight, he became a vegan. So I got to have that guy on my show. Now, Now that's why I call it the Mark Stuchowski podcast, not the Mark Stuchowski super duper productivity podcast. So I can color outside the line. When I saw his listing on Spot a Guest, or I think it was Podcast Guest, one of the two, I'm like, I got to have this guy on. I mean, I've got, I got to know what's what flipped the switch. And so I'm always looking for good guests like that. And I'm always listening when I'm on my show. Okay. What would the audience want to know right now? What if they were here, what would they ask this person? Because I think you're doing a very good job on that. I think people who have scripted questions. And I know this is kind of off topic here, but who have scripted questions and they go question one, two, three, four, five, the audience gets kind of bored. But if you like saying, Hey, I got a question about this. You mentioned this. I think that gets the audience going, yeah, I want to know the answer to that too. And I'd say I definitely fell into that trap when I first started <laughs> because I was nervous. I didn't know how to do it. I hadn't done it before. I've obviously got, I've got notes in front of me now 
and I've got questions in case I do hit a freeze and I do get stumped. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what do I talk about now? Like that is there. I'm not going to lie, but I have not used. I obviously used the starting questions, and I've got three questions I ask everyone at the end. But other than those, the rest of it's just. I think it's more interesting as well. Yes. You do, as you say, scripted is boring. But as yes. I say, my first ones were definitely probably quite boring. <laughs> I was nervous and I didn't know what to do. But it's definitely, I'm finding it easier and easier. Yes. Definitely. And I definitely that think it also helps with the guest I have on the show. If the guest is nervous, it makes the host nervous. If they're confident, it makes you confident. It's, yes. it's all, all reciprocal. But... It is time to dump, jump into those final three questions. Okay, I'm ready. You've dropped some incredible value on productivity and I'm definitely going to take it into account. I'm going to have to listen back because I know we've, done, we've jumped into many other topics. But okay, <laughs> final three questions. Yes, sir. Are in relation to three topics that I don't think are spoken about enough, which are money, relationships, and death. Death, morbid, I know, but wait for it. You'll have an interesting answer, I know for sure. So the first question is not directly into in relationship to money, but some people think it is. So that's why I sort of put it on that, on that pedestal. So the question is, what does the word success mean to you? Well, success to me, and I hope I can expand on this for a few minutes. Yeah, of course you can. I was raised that rich people are evil. And we should avoid rich people and you should make a lot of money. And I still have these long conversations with my 75-year-old dad who thinks athletes shouldn't be paid that kind of money. And I'm a capitalist. Then I heard Grant Cardone said that when you are filthy rich, you can help a lot of people. When you don't make a lot of money, you can't help a lot of people. When my wife and I suffered through Hurricane Harvey, we didn't suffer directly. Hurricane Harvey hit Houston back in 2017 and dropped 51 inches of rain in three days. And many of the cities, parts of Houston were flooded. We weren't. But we didn't have the money to be able to help people. Not like $5 a year. I mean, hey, we're going to put you up in the hotel for six months. We'll pay for it. And when I heard that from Grant, I'm like, Wow. So my goal is, my, my first 10X goal, and if you follow Grant Cardone, you know what a 10X goal is, is to make a million dollars a month. With a million dollars a month, I can help a lot of people. And for the longest time, I wanted money so I can buy toys. Now I want to make a lot of money so I can help a lot of people who are hurting in the world. So that's what success means to me. Why do you think that changed? Well, it goes to my, my faith. I'm a Christian and I believe the whole story about the powder and the clay. And I think for the longest time, you know, I was always making it all about me. It's about Mark, about Mark, about Mark. And, you know, God kept molding the clay and up, flatten it down, word it again. And finally, I think I heard the angels, you know, say hallelujah when I finally said, oh, the world's not about me. It's about other people. And I think I heard the angels go, oh, because I finally got it. We are not here to be selfish. We're here to help other people walking on this planet. And it took me, I think, 52 years before I finally got the fact that the, the universe does not revolve around me. It's sad to say, but I want to be completely honest with you and your audience. No, and I appreciate that. And I think, especially me being 20 as well, I can very much, I know I could easily fall into that trap of the shiny object syndrome, want the nice car, all of that stuff. Yep. I hope. I know I shouldn't. I hope I don't. Obviously, it's nice to have that stuff and everyone's going to be able to agree with that. It Obviously, it would be nice to drive a Lamborghini. It would be nice to drive a Ferrari, have a huge house. Those would be the nice things, but they aren't everything. My family is what is everything to me. Yep. That's the one thing. And, and I've, I've, talked, I've heard stories from people who are very wealthy and they say the best feeling in the world they get is when they help other people. Yes. The more they give, the more they get. And what happens, a lot of people who are not wealthy, they hold on to every dime or pound, if you will, that they have. They hold on to it. They hold on to it. And, well, if you have a closed fist, nothing else can come in your hand. And that's why a lot of wealthy people keep getting wealthier because they just give all their money. And they get and they give and they get and get. But if you're going to hold your fist closed, you, you, you will not be successful monetarily because you're a very selfish person. I love that closed fist analogy there. Haven't thought of it like that before. So 
That's cool. I wish I could say it's mine. And I originally heard that from my financial planner here in the States. His name is Dave Ramsey. He's a big get out of debt guy. And I went to see my wife and I went to his course. It's called Financial Peace University. And he talked about, you know, if you have a you're holding on the money, then money can't go out, but money can't flow in. But if you have an open hand, money can go out, money can come in. And I first heard that, I'm like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah. for all these years, I was holding on my money for all it's worth. Someone says, Oh, can you spare me 20 bucks? I have no gas, get to work. No, I am not letting money. And like, and then like, well, that wasn't very nice. What if I need $20 and I asked someone, they said no. And so I'm trying to be more generous. I'm not like Grant Cardone or Gary Brandtuck. I don't have hundreds of millions of dollars, but I try to help when I can. And I think if we all try to help each other, we're going to be, we're going to be much better off than if we tried to be selfish. For sure. And that is something I would, I'm definitely going to take forward as well. Because I, that has opened my eyes. That close fist analogy. So, thank you for your to your financial advisor for that one. You're welcome. Next question, with regards to relationships, throughout your journey so far, have you found it difficult to maintain relationships, whether that be with friends, family, a loved one, or have you managed to find ways to bring them on your journey with you? Again, another very good question. My wife is my biggest cheerleader. And when I tell people, this is going to shock your audience because I am, one thing you know about me, I'm very open. So from the time I got fired in July, 2005 until the August of 2019, okay, July, 2005, August, 2019, let's do simple math. 19 minus five is 14 years, oh. right? 14, right? My math, right? Yeah. Okay, in that total time, I myself, not my wife's income, my income was $35,000 total, not per year, okay? Now, my wife says, you keep working the business because I know eventually it's going to take off, and then I'm going to be able to quit my job and work for you, okay? You need to have someone on your side that when you're going through year after year after year, because I got a lot of bad advice and someone says, do this. And they took my money and ran and you know, all this you know, whole, it's a, you know, I don't want to waste another three hours in your podcast, but I take full responsibility of it. Okay. I, I learned that from Gary Vaynerchuk. It's my fault. I'm not making the money I want to make now, but my wife was never there saying, you know what? You're a deadbeat. All you do is sit in her home. She knows I work all day. She's at work. I'm at work. I'm working all the time. You need to have someone, whether it's a spouse, a friend, a mom, a dad, an aunt, uncle, somebody who 100% is going to believe in you. And so my wife has been there for me. And then when she can quit her job and work for me, she'll be with me. But I could not have done this without my wife. Hope that answers so, your question. I love that. So final question of the day is, are you afraid of dying? Nope. Why? Because I'm a Christian and I'm solid where I'm going after this death. I will be in heaven. So I have no fear of death. I don't want to die. Um, I know some Christians say, I hope I die and go to heaven. I, said, no, I, I want to live as long as God wants me on this planet, but I don't fear in death. Now I do say that with an asterisk. I hope that when I die, God does not like bury me alive or I drown. I hope it's quick. Like I die in my sleep. That's if I have one prayer to God that I die peacefully in my sleep. I don't want to be like in a major wreck or in a plane crash or something like that. So God, if you're listening, please, no pain. I don't do well with pain, but no, I do not fear death at all. Awesome. And I haven't had someone take that from a religious perspective before. So again, as I said, I knew you'd have a good answer. <laughs> I had faith in you. Um, so now it's your time to plug where the listeners can follow up view, what you have on yourself. So your podcast, please plug. And I will put that in the show notes below for everyone. So away you go. Okay. The best thing for people to do is because you can't find markstucheski.com is go to mrproductivity.com. You could probably put markstucheski.com in the show notes. But when you go to mrproductivity.com, Mr. is all spelled out, you get directed to markstucheski.com. There I have created a seven-day productivity challenge. And over seven days, give me two minutes over seven days, and I will give you small strategies and how you can become more productive. A lot of people are in these big ideas to be more productive. No, 
we need to take baby steps. So go to mrproductivity.com at the top of the page. It says join the seven day productivity challenge. While you're there, you can also find out about my podcast. I'm a productivity coach. If I have courses and, and other things in the, in the horizon, everything is at mrproductivity.com, including everywhere I'm on social media. And I love hearing from people because I know you're a podcaster. One of the very frustrating things I have about my podcast is, and I'm just as guilty, people don't reach out to me. I love to hear from people, whether on someone else's podcast like yours or people on my podcast, reach out to me, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. I really want to hear from you. Don't, don't piss me your MLM or pitch me, you know, an Ernest Hemingway novel with a billion links. If you honestly say, Hey, I really appreciate your, your podcast, your show, your advice. I want to hear from that. And I'm not Gary or Grant. I don't get millions of comments or DMs. So I will take the time to reply to you. There we go. LinkedIn is LinkedIn the best way to contact oh. you to get a reply. Well, Yes. Well, if you go to mrproductivity.com, you can send me a message to the contact tab or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I mean, however you send it to me, don't send a carrier pigeon because we, we like our guns here in Texas. That's probably not politically correct to say anymore. I don't know if it'd make it. Um, but uh, yeah, seriously, I, I really want to hear from people. And like I said before, I'm just as guilty. I never reach out to podcasts. I am so horrible at this. So I feel like I'm kind of like, I'm telling you to do something I'm not doing myself, but Please, if you reach out, test me in this. I dare you, as we say in my elementary school days, I double dare you. Send me a DM and see if I don't reply to you. Do, the, do that with me as well, because I'm interested as well. Anyone listening, <laughs> do that with me, because I know I will reply, and I'd like that test as well. Okay. But Mark, that rounds up this episode of CEO Journals. So thank you for your time. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. This has been a really fun episode. So thank you. My pleasure. I am honored and I thank you so much for having me on the show. So that's going to wrap up today's episode of the podcast and I can't thank you all enough for listening. I aim to interview some of the most incredible business owners and entrepreneurs every single week. So you can really help me out by smashing that subscribe button and by leaving me a five-star review over in the iTunes store. It literally takes two seconds and it will help me secure some of the greatest names in business as guests on the show. Make sure you tune into the next episode where I'm going to be talking to another incredibly interesting guest. I'll be discussing their journey and providing tips to all your aspiring and current business owners. Have a lovely rest of your day. And once again, thank you for tuning in to CEO Journals. <laughs>